Hello. It is Bring It In with me, Gerard Hector, and Henry Abbott, the boss of True Hoop. How are you, sir? David Thorpe is chase, is running away from a storm. <laughs> is, we are so is. lucky to just be in. I mean, all the weather bragging he's ever done. It's just like. <laughs> so you're like, hey, David, how's that storm going right now? Not today. Not today. <laughs> Not They're today. running for their lives. But in a couple days, we'll get there. We'll get to talking <laughs> trash about Florida weather. We just got to make sure everyone's safe first. Yes, the, the Thorps are, I believe, in Miami now. Everybody's safe. So, you know, we'll, we'll see when the, the storm, I think, is supposed to hit either later today or tomorrow. And, you know, but lucky for us, Thor- Thorpe is uh, Thorpe's safe with his fam. The kids are safe at school. So, uh, Do you know what's funny? We there. all handle stress differently, right? He's obviously mm-hmm. in a stressful situation. He's in the car with his wife and his mom, mm-hmm. and they're driving to his brother's house. And it's they've planned it out very well. He's like an op- excellent, like military commander Ops in guy. these times of stress. <laughs> Amazing at it. He's got hotel rooms booked all over the state, depending on where the storm's going to go, so they can be safe somewhere. Turns out they're going to his brother's house. Um, so I called just as a guy who's known Thorpe for a long time to make sure that they were alive and you know things were good. And he kind of cuts me off a minute into my like kind of check in with them. He cuts me off with like, "What happened on media day?" <laughs> And like nobody thinks like that. It's well, we're gonna get to this. But like it's fucking media day. Like it's like right. one of the dumber things that happens. <laughs> Forget in the NBA but on planet Earth. Yes. And um, but Thorpe just is such. He's stressed in a way that like just I'm like, well, you know, Zion said this, and like, and then CJ McCollum did that, and like he's just like his heart rate is coming down because he just he just wants to he wants to plug into the motherboard of the NBA and just get all that info. And and I talked. I had a little crappy little note card of notes i'd taken um yeah. looked in all, all these videos and and he's just like sounds like i missed a lot <laughs> and that is you're right that's classic thorpe right like yeah but we talk about and we're gonna get into this today organizational competence transferable skills like david of course is a basketball coach and like but he's also a leader of i'm gonna say man a leader of people right like He's a general you want to follow in battle, right? Because here's our plan. This is what we're doing. Like, And he will inspire, motivate, right? So in crisis scenarios, like a hurricane, fine. But he's also can, oh, I can, because I know what I'm doing here. Tell me about the NBA. <laughs> what's yeah. what's happening over here? It's, yeah. it's, it's quite it's quite impressive. But we yes. are happy that Coach, Coach Thorpe is, is, is doing well. And hopefully he'll be uh, here on Thursday to break down some more of this uh, NBA media day. So Henry, you mentioned NBA media day. And the reason why, I wanted to do a show about media day was because something you told me uh, last year, or the year before, you know, so a little behind the curtain, how we do things here at true. Hoop. Somebody has an idea. All right. I want to do X and you go to Henry. Henry, what do you think? No, no one's going to give a shit about that. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> it's not, it's really fun behind the curtain. you guys. <laughs> but it's good though, because Henry as all his years working at ESPN and just understanding what makes people click and read things and get interested. He knows. And at media day, he said to me, well, most everybody lies on media day, right? I'm in the best shape of my life. We're going to play faster. We're going to do this. And it's like 20,000 that... muscle. <laughs> right, right. And none of that stuff generally happens, right? You're pretty much, no, they're going to be terrible because of this. You're going to be, you know, and we kind of know. So I thought, all right, let's go to media day, which I did in Brooklyn and watch a bunch of these other media days. Take down what we think is interesting and then decode. Okay, this is what they're yeah. actually saying, right? <laughs> it was a very you went to one of the most interesting media days of all time though. That was like a little bit of a different one. It was. I felt a little realer. <laughs> you, you know, we talked about organizational competence and of course you're here because obviously you're the boss but you understand 
organizations and management and leadership. And if nothing, an NBA team is a business and a workplace, and you have to have the right leadership culture so that everybody within the organization feels safe. Uh, I mean, we can just look at what's going on in Phoenix, Boston, and what has been going on in Dallas for the past several years when all that sexual harassment stuff came out. Not good organization, right? Things not good happening there. Brooklyn, similar. Uh, over the summer, we had Kevin Durant, as Henry says, the number one guy on the org chart, right? He decides, I don't want to be here anymore. Get me out of here. Trade me. Okay, well, we'll see what we can do, Kevin. Sure, we'll, we'll honor that. Look, man, and then nothing's happening on the trade request. He then says, fine, if I come back, the guys who are not my bosses, but let's say even with me on the org chart, GM Sean Mark, Steve Nash, if I come back, those two got to go. Fire them. Uh, well, Kevin, um, the, the owner, Joe Sai, who's clearly, he is above the org chart, right? Because it's his org chart. He says, well, Kevin, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm going to stick with Sean and with Steve. If you come back, you're going to ride with them. If not, hey, this is the reality. You're on a contract for four years and whatever, $160 million we're paying you. So, hey, take it or leave it, my friend. This is, if you want to avoid your contract, fine. But this is what we're going to do here. That, to me, Henry, leads to awkward situations. Um, and media day is like the first day of school when everybody gets back together. And as someone who's in the room, you know, that whole uh, statement they put out, we all met and, you know, we decided to move on. Well, that must have been the shortest meeting in the history of, of man, because I didn't feel a whole lot of warm and fuzzies. Like everybody's good. We buried the hatch and life's going to move on. Steve Nash, notably during his part of the press conference, and just so you guys know, all the players, not all the players, but 15 or 17 players talked first. Then Nash and, and Marks came out together. Steve was noticeably quiet for the first five minutes of that press conference. Didn't have much to say. And you said something interesting to me yesterday when I said that to you. You're like, well, Gerard, Steve is not so far removed from being a competitive alpha in the locker room guy. And to have not just his best player, but someone he's known for years call for his job. Can't feel too great. No, <laughs> no. Although it's funny. I, um, I watched a lot of those videos and I talked to you about it and, um, I actually like the Nets sort of where they are a little more after media day than before <laughs> because it was really on the table, which is just everything's out there. It's like or the, the ordinary NBA playbook would be just basically like, no, what are you talking about? Everything's great. <laughs> and this is where when it's all under the surface, like that's when it really festers. Right. But Kyrie was just like, you know, this was awkward. Right. I what? think somebody used the word clusterfuck. Right. Like Kyrie. Um, you said clusterfuck. <laughs> yeah. So like, <laughs> To me, I don't, I don't know how the season's going to go. Um, and I think David has a lot of thoughts about basically like, can they love up Ben Simmons and get the most of mm. It's like the critical factor. And I didn't see any signals of that, but like, not really. But, um, but, but it, you know, if they can, right, they have a very interesting roster. And it, I, I felt like I'm slow to this. I'm sure you realize this in real time, but like, and when all that sort of drama was going on this summer and it all seemed just like so doomed, um, then at some point, Josai tweets, right, that he's sticking with Sean Marks and Steve Nash. Sean Marks is almost like a, a, a bedrock figure of the story of this crazy Nets franchise, right? They, during the Prokhorov era, I, I did a bunch of research on this, like they were lurching from shiny object to shiny object, right? And there was no management philosophy that lasted more than 10 minutes. And it was just like, you know, 
can we get a Ferrari? What about a Lamborghini? Just like lurching around. <laughs> and like, they just did so many dumb things, so many long-term plans scuttled. And, and then, uh, you know, they started to build the long, the idea was like, they convinced Prokhorov that Sean Marks was the guy who would be the other approach. Mm-hmm. This was the San Antonio culture. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to just go from China. And it was going to be like, he was the visionary of that. And they started to build that, right? The, I know I obsess about the Kenny Atkinson, Jared Allen moment where they were like, they were building what they you were. wanted to build. Yes. And, um, and then the superstars got in the way and we went back to shiny objects for a while. And like, suddenly it, it was clear to me only watching the interviews from media day, like, wait, they actually switched now. Like mm-hmm. they played the biggest game of public poker with one of the biggest stars in the NBA. And mm-hmm. Joe Tsai just said, no, yeah. you're not making these decisions. Like mm-hmm. you were very, very clear about what you wanted and we're absolutely not giving it to you. Deal with it. And this was the media day that results is where, you know, just although there was lots of grumbling, like the fact is like Kevin had to kind of just talk in the tone of acceptance about yeah. a lot of stuff. This is as did Kyrie, right? Mm-hmm. Like they both had to just kind of say like, um, and that was uncommonly bold, right? This yeah. was an uncommon thing. And I, maybe I'm reading way too much of this, but now I'm like, is Sean like completely unfireable now? Like <laughs> you're going to choose him over Kevin Durant blatantly, clearly in public. Like you're not going to fire him over like being late to work. You know what I mean? Right? Like, yeah, for sure. Like he's kind of like Greg Popovich for a little while. Yeah. I think, I, I think that's a great read. And I think you make that gamble because, or that, that, that bet because, Kevin Durant is 34 on the back end of his career. If this was 28-year-old Kevin Durant, you definitely don't make that bad. It's like, oh, hell no. Sean, you got to go. But it's like, look, you're here for four more years. You're 34. And Kevin says something interesting, which he doesn't often talk about, which is legacy. If you ever ask him questions about your play, he doesn't like to talk about that. And most most athletes don't in the middle of their or in while they're playing. He's like, you know, I'm towards the end of my career. And like, I'm like, wow, this is the first time you recognize your mortality. So maybe they said to him, dude, what do you want to do the last four years of your life? You want to be this dude and you want to be the guy who's bouncing around and getting, I mean, sure, that's going to be bad for your legacy, buddy, because we're doing what we're going to do here. And I think he realizes, shit, where are they going to send me that's going to give me what I want, which is a chance to win a championship? We, we went through this ad nauseum. Any team that was on his list that he wanted to go to would have to give up all the players he wanted to play with to win a championship. So what? You're going to be a lottery team now? I mean, what what do you want? This is your best place to figure out how to win. You've got to be the guy here and figure out how to make it work. So the three of you, and I thought it was interesting, Kevin said, I'm not the liaison between Kyrie and the GM. I don't go into the office making demands to the GM. And then Sean goes later, I'm not Kevin's boss. We're partners. I was like, uh-oh, somebody, yeah. somebody messed up on the messaging in there. <laughs> so yeah. you partners got to figure it out and work it out. They didn't tell him to lie though, right? Like I right. Okay, so Kevin kind of outlined what led to his trade demand, which mm-hmm. I thought was I a was interesting, pretty believable, and mm-hmm. kind of fascinating. And it, but I haven't maybe you've noticed this, but I haven't noticed him before having that like LeBron old man cranky like the young kids are too lazy kind of vibe. <laughs> but like he, okay, he said that um, I didn't feel comfortable with the direction we were headed in after I got injured, um, and blah blah blah. Uh, my whole thing was I wanted everyone to be held accountable for their habits as a basketball player every day. I think a lot of stuff was getting swept under the rug because we're injured or this guy's not around or just the circumstances. I thought we could have fought through that a little bit more and focused on the guys that were here a little bit more. Um, uh, I think you do that by how you work every single day and we skipped some steps. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, do you know what he's talking about? So it's interesting. When I heard him say that and about accountable, I'm like, well, who am I you speaking about is yeah. not accountable to their actions? You? Are you not accountable? I don't think that's what you mean. Are you talking about Kyrie? And the reason why I thought it was Kyrie was because if you remember the sequence of events, Kyrie opts into his last year because he can't find a trade partner. The next day, Durant says, trade me. I was like, what's odd sequence know, of timing, my friend? Just... <laughs> like, Kyrie I mean, also found it odd. Yeah. <laughs> right. As Kyrie said, <laughs> I was like, was that weird? Uh, yes. Yeah. I'm like, did you call Kevin? Well, not really. I, look, I don't know this for sure, but Kevin was mad at Kyrie for a lot of last year. And this is the leadership part. You know, Kevin also in that talk, Henry, in his, in his media comments talked about when Steph Curry went down last year, the Warriors found a way to win games yes. and they went up. I'm like, yeah, well, because that's a kind of system and a culture mm-hmm. and a thing. And there are people who can voice their opinions in terms of leadership and get people to what they do. I've said this ad nauseum, and Kevin would admit this with truth to them. He is not that kind of person. He is not the, guys, here's what we're going to do. Lead. His teammates all say that about him. They go, the way he leads is he gets to work. Okay, well, watching That's not someone, really leadership, to be yeah, honest. But, but <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay, like, I see you, but you're, you need someone who's going to galvanize. And when the best players, and, the, and Kyrie's not like that either. They're both, they retreat inward. That's not helpful when the team is, you need someone to be outward. How do I bring guys together? Patty Mills is that. Markeith Morris is that. But on the org chart, Patty Mills and Markeith Morris are way below Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And this is the problem with the way the team is constructed, right? If the best guys can't be the one, because you know, in, in Golden State, Steph's saying it. In LA, LeBron is, right? Okay. The, okay. Well, th- those guys say it goes. We're ready to, we're ready to rock and roll. And that, I think, is one of the challenges and problems with the way the Nets are structured is that their best players are not those types of leaders, right? That's just not who they are. When you – okay, there's some research, like management study stuff, mm-hmm. where they hired these actors um, to pose as, like, you know, management candidates in these groups. Mm-hmm. Or they do a bunch of, like, testing job candidates. And if they instruct them just to be, like, Debbie Downer, just to be like, oh, my God, my group sucks, like, you know. Mm-hmm. The group is terrible. The group does very, very poorly. Shocking. <laughs> but if they do the opposite, this person doesn't contribute to the actual group assignment, but just says like, oh my God, we're the best. Like, you know, just cheerleaders. The group does amazingly well, right? And so, you know, Thorpe's definition of leadership is to breathe spirit into others, right? So the, mm-hmm. so a big question for the Sixers in recent years was who can take responsibility for getting Ben Simmons like fired up and get him on the believing in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And the answer was nobody, right? Like mm-hmm. he just was pretty much isolated and... So that's still the question for this team. Really, honestly, like I know, I mean, for all we talk about Kyrie and Kevin, like they will be excellent if Ben Simmons is excellent, right? And so here's a guy who we know tends to feel isolated and we know Mm -hmm. tends to feel underappreciated and we know feels like just a little delicate in the NBA, Mm -hmm. right? And can you take on the responsibility? Is it, do you see it as your job to get him on board? And that's what I was kind of like, somebody has to, right? Somebody has to. Someone has to, and, uh, or it's not going to work or it's unlikely to work anyway. And it could be, you know, like, so think about what I just said, this whole, like reaching into someone's heart and firing them up. Like, and then your Twitter bio is, I do mean I chill. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, like, that's, well, yeah. who's doing Ben Simmons? Who's getting Ben Simmons? <laughs> right? Yeah. Someone's getting right. I do mean I chill. <laughs> and again, this is, you know, Kevin was asked this last season, like, it's not my job to hold anybody's hand in the NBA. They got to figure it out. And it's like, 
I know that works for you because you do you and you chill and it's worked out to an all-time career. You're one of the greatest players of all time. That ain't going to work for everybody, my guy. And, you, and you've been on championship teams. You know how it works, right? Someone has to be the person to coalesce, galvanize. You need that connective tissue. And there are comments that we're going to read from different players throughout the media day that talks about this stuff, right? I'm going to pull up what Patty Mills said. And I thought that, that was pretty illustrative of, you know, what, what we're talking about here. So Patty Mills, it's respecting your teammates. It's understanding your teammates. It's unpacking those layers to have a true, genuine connection with your teammates. I guess that's the reason why I'm here from a leadership standpoint, a team standpoint. What we can do to just bring more meaning and purpose to our journey, I think it's really a powerful thing. And if you go back to Patty's time in San Antonio, this is during their 2014 finals run. That was after, that was the, so the year after they lost that heartbreaking series to Miami. The next year they come back, destroy everybody with it. Popovich during, as they were prepping for the finals. Now, Patty Mills is a good player, but he ain't Tim Duncan or Manu or one of these guys. Pop goes out of his way to talk about um, Patty's great uncle in Australia, who um, is, um, the, the, the talk was about native Aboriginal rights in Australia and how his uncle has a day named after him. And that piece meant so much to Patty and like brought him to tears. The whole, look, man. You know, sports is macho. We get all that shit. But like, and I tease Coach and Henry about all their lovey-dovey shit. But like, that connective stuff matters, right? Because what that is saying is, this guy and these people care about me beyond this basketball thing. And of course, that's going to make me want to dive on the floor harder, cut hard. I'm going to want to do whatever I can for these people because they genuinely care about me. Go back to Ben Simmons. Who in this building? Wait, can we just take the last minute of this audio yeah. and just save it? And can you send it to me, please? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, 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 want been this, waiting. you want this that was a full confessional Gerard. <laughs> it matters you're on I team lovey-dovey now buddy <laughs> I, I know it matters but in, in that building in Sunset Park who cares about Ben Simmons in that building who genuinely cares about him in a way that's going to be that connective tissue that's gonna oh this is what matters guys now we're, we're, we're all here for one another they all talk about being but how are you going to be it for one another if no one's showing it? <laughs> when it feels messy. And I think if you're a regular fan listening to this, you're like, oh, my God, I have to worry about all of this crap. I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah. You don't have to. But if nobody does, it's just not going to work very well. Right? <laughs> right. Like somebody – Patty Mills actually had this little aside, which was all news to me, about taking young mm -hmm. players who mm -hmm. didn't know how to swim yep. to, to the, the ocean. ocean. Yep. Yep. And they were facing their fear. Like, I'm like mm – -hmm. That is a very real experience, yes. right? And this has nothing to do with like playing hard team defense or whatever. This is just like, we are going to take this moment that you're in the NBA and we're in this crazy ride together and we're going to grow, right? We're going to just, we're going to challenge ourselves in crazy ways and you're, and we're going to love each other more because of it. Right. And mm -hmm. that's, not something Robert Sarver knows about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, but it, and we would like them to be plug and play, right? We'd like them to be video game players, right? That right. would be great, but they're not. Yeah. And yeah. the fact that they're not is showing up every day in the NBA with big name players. Mm -hmm. Like, do you know how much it costs that like Ben Simmons just didn't get it together to play over the last few years? And, you know, Zion Williams and stuff like these are a, like we would, the, the, Reasons they weren't on the court were many, but some mm -hmm. of them are emotional, right? Yeah, and some of sure. them were this lack of connection. Like, that's for 100%. sure. Pandemic, you know, isolation, all this kind of stuff. Like, we're still feeling that in the NBA big time. You know, one of the things that's very hard for people to have 
sympathy for is the plight of millionaire athletes. <laughs> we do struggle with that. <laughs> All right. We, we, we as and, and I understand why it's the money, right? You, you get that because you're like, dude, if I had that money, I wouldn't have those problems. I'm like, but you would, <laughs> right? Like you 100% would. Uh, money doesn't change the problems you have to make different ones, right? Yeah. You don't worry about paying your light bill. Sure. Fine. Well, that's well and good. Other problems persist. And one of the challenges of being an NBA player is knowing genuinely who actually gives a shit about me as a human or who wants their pay, who wants their, their handout to get paid. And they yeah. struggle with this constantly because everyone has their handout all the time for something. And it's, it's, it's a difficult thing for them to, to, to process and deal with. And, you know, Zion talked about it and we'll get to him. Like there are real things beyond basketball that are impacting these people. And that's the piece of it that we have to remember, right? And have empathy for and, and have, you know, have decency. They are human beings, right? And they go through real things. Well, Stephen Alardi, who's been on the show and, you know, mm-hmm. friend of the show, um, has written books on like treating anxiety and depression and the research, what works here, right? And like one of the things that is most profound is like real lasting, meaningful relationships, right? And like just having really meaningful conversations. And like, I think that that particular thing in the environment you just described is a struggle, right? You yep. like a lot of NBA players will basically tell you that their life philosophy is people who try to get close to you are trying to steal from you. Like, do you know how hard that makes it to have a good dinner where yes. you just like laugh your ass off with someone? You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, even your teammates. I know we all think they're rah rah, but like you know, you guys are fighting for playing time and minutes and money. Like you just mm-hmm. are. It's just the reality, right? And yeah. um, think about you know. Like Kevin Durant trying to get Steve Nash fired not very long ago. Like, are they supposed to be like best buddies now? Like, <laughs> right. No way. Right? right. Like, um, it's just they're in an environment where it's very hard to have like the exact kind of meaningful interactions that would be very healthy mm-hmm. for the mental health. Right. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think this is, you know, Adam Silver talked about superstars not having a single meaningful conversation from when you know the plane lands to when the plane takes off from a road trip. And mm-hmm. You know, this is what we're seeing, right? This is what we're seeing is this kind of strange mis. I think mistrust is yes. at the heart of what ails the NBA and a lot other things too. But like, you no, know, no doubt. I feel like we see evidence of it all the time. All the time. And they essentially live in a world that's transactional, right? And it is hard to go through life with only transactional race relationships. I, I yeah. just, I don't know. That's not healthy, right? Like, it's just, it just isn't. And something that Henry and I, talked about yesterday uh, offline. And I mentioned when we had Coach Thorpe on that Steph Curry profile, the most interesting quote about Kevin Durant is not that the Warriors consider bringing him back. It was Steph saying, you know, I love this guy. He's misunderstood. He's had things happen to him in his life that makes him difficult for him to trust people and feel safe all the time. Well, no one, I mean, so if he, if he's feeling like that, well, and then he's now saying, get me out of here, get this guy fired. Like this is, you know, it's, and that's your best player, right? So now how am I going to lead on top of that? Right. So, you know, it's fine to be the best player and just be the best player. That's a job. That's a really important job. It's a well-paid job, right? Um, If you want to also be the shadow CEO, Mm -hmm. then you have to take on how the Mm -hmm. whole team works. Right. Mm -hmm. And not everybody likes that job. No, Um, it's not fun. It's not a fun job. It really is stressful. I think there's a lot to it. They don't work like you want them to work. It just doesn't, you know, Mm -hmm. like you don't just get, Kyrie's handles you get all of Kyrie mm-hmm. you know and like and that's yep. a little bit more complicated <laughs> <laughs> you get a lot more than just the handles my friend you get all the Kyrie with that <laughs> <laughs> you do oh, man. there was actually okay we, and you know we've talked about the Nets a lot but um yeah. I did honestly like 
uh, Kyrie openly said there were not a lot of options for him, which I thought was like a very NBA players don't usually talk like that. They're very mm-hmm. proud. Usually they would say like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, he was I think even John Wall talked a little trash about all the options he had. Right. It's like, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, but and then he said, uh, this is a direct quote. I gave up four years, a hundred something million deciding to be unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he sees it that way. And yeah. I, oh, that's a, you know, this is sort of because this is basically because, the Nets didn't pick up his option or extend him. Um, yeah. But like, that's a, and he also said there's a level of uncertainty whether you're going to be in this league. Um, but he was kind of making the point that he has been questioned as someone who's committed to the game. And he's like, no, no, no. Like my commitment to the game is unfairly questioned. It's just that I am unvaccinated. Like it's an interesting point he's making here. And he's like, he's saying that he's so committed to the being unvaccinated that he gave up a hundred million dollars. It's, it's a, New way of looking at what's happening. <laughs> you know, Kyrie never, never wanted to not find a way to paint himself as a as a martyr, right? In, in in situations, yes, you did choose to be unvaccinated, and the contract extension was on the table. Those talks stalled when the vaccine mandates were implemented, and you decided you're not doing it as a just a strictly business thing. And you know, Joe Sai, we know Chairman of Alibaba, like, and Henry can go into detail on this. He wouldn't tolerate that from any of his high-performing employees at Alibaba at all. So why would he Why would he take that on here? No, I'm not going to give you four years and $160 million when you're not going to come to work half the time and take away the vaccine. The year before that, he decided to go AWOL for 10 days. Oh, I need, I need some time off. Look, dude, like I, I cannot pay you if you're not going to be here, right? That's, that's not good for business. That's just stupid, right? Because you're. it's not just the fact that it's the money. That's a roster. I can't just fill that roster spot now. Okay. You're not going to hear what I got somebody else who's of your same talent for those. No, that doesn't, that's not how this works. You are taking up a space and you're not performing. That is a problem for our business. I can't pay you. And I think the reason why he had no teams this summer was because they were all like, uh, do we want to get into the Kyrie Irving business? The only team that was serious were the Lakers. And that's because LeBron James probably has a way where he will get Kyrie to show up to work, whatever that is. A buddy of mine joked, Oh, he would hire people to go to Kyrie's house, throw him in a van, and no, you're coming to work today, my friend. I don't care. Well, not everyone has the LeBron gravitas to do that, right? Like, and if you're a GM, think about it. Your jobs are on the line when you make decisions like this. Who in their right mind is like, yeah, tie me for four years to that guy who has shown over the last five years. He may come to work, and when he comes to work, brilliant. But when he doesn't, he may not come, and I don't know what's going to happen next. I, the uncertainty. And so, yeah, your commitment to the game is questioned because you have demonstrated something that you're not, that you're not fully all bought in. Yeah, I'm, a, I, I want, I'm generally on the side of Media Day Stupid. This is how we open the Correct. show. And like an example of that would be like I had to watch uh, super uncomfortable Russell Westbrook just say how excited he was about this season. And it was like <laughs> – uh, it was like super evidently just like, there's a stupid game I have to play where you're going to, yep. and the questions are so loaded. They're like, you know, what was fantastic about meeting Darvin Ham or whatever? It's like, <laughs> like, what the fuck kind of question is that? Like, but, um, but <laughs> that's not, it was close to that. It was close. I, I, I'm with you. Close. I'm with it's you. all just like, there, there are so many roses in my question. It's like, why are there being roses in it? But, um, but, uh, um, so in general, I'm not a fan of this exercise in performing for the media. Mm-hmm. But then part of me is like, the Kyrie, your good point about the 10 days off we needed, you mm-hmm. know, two seasons ago. Um, 
like, buddy, like, where's the PR impulse? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 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 I, I don't want him to play the game. I'm thankful that he's a little more honest than that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, he's probably the 500th player who was in that kind of a funk mm-hmm. in NBA history. But 499 of them were like, oh, yep, ACL's strained. Exactly. You know, <laughs> like, it's Say just... something. No, I'm just, I, I just need two weeks off. Bro, but he no, was super that ain't honest. It. Yeah, <laughs> that ain't it. Super honest. And just like that is the, I mean, it just so colored the whole next year, right? Where mm-hmm. you're like, it just is very hard to believe that he was, just, but that said, he's in incredible shape. I mean, oh, when he was on the court last year, like, oh, like, it's just the dudes puts in the work. He's working. Henry, in a vacuum, the three of those players, that is basketball harmony. Like, I mean, with all the shooting, on, I mean, this team should win 55 plus games and be at the top of the Eastern Conference. The problem is basketball does not exist in a vacuum. All right. And to me, as Coach Thorpe always says, the storm's coming. It's an NBA season. When the storm comes, what is the level of confidence you have that this team has the right connective tissue to not break apart when the storm comes? I would just phrase it as slightly better than the 76ers. <laughs> <laughs> so in other words, not good. Got it. <laughs> I mean, like, they're great. Like, I, you know, I, I I, don't know. I don't know. Like, was Ben Simmons going to play? Like, you know what I mean? Like, in, I, but if, if Ben Simmons, if they're all three playing, like, like, I mean, they, they're really good. I mean, they sh- you put Simmons, KD, Kyrie, say Royce O'Neal and Seth Curry or Patty Mills. I mean, You've got four people that shoot over 38% from three around Ben Simmons. That is, I mean, and he, Ben, by the way, talking basketball, for the last four seasons, has led the league in three-point shots created. Mm. And he went on the J.J. Redick podcast, and this is something I want to transition to in a moment. J.J. said to him, Ben, uh, this is early in there, when when J.J., early in Ben's career. All right, I'm going to run this play. Can you get the... JJ, I'm six foot ten. I can make any pass in the world. Out there. Like I, I, can, there. I can do it. Yeah, I, I can just do it. As much as he gets shit for hands and shit, this dude is brilliant at literally every single other thing at basketball. Like among the best we've ever seen. And you've already got two of the best offensive players in the history of basketball. Like, I mean, this is it's like whack a mole. This is easy, man. Like we're gonna. They should set all kinds of records. But again, <laughs> I want to like you know. Like I definitely like you know. It's kind of a kind of a well clusterfuck was the word we used earlier, right? Like mm-hmm. also might be exactly how you start your championship season, right? Like <laughs> like it's I don't think it's likely, but I think it's more likely than last year, right? Yeah. They're yeah, they're not just old. They used to just be like mm-hmm. betting on all these like thirty-two year olds to improve, and it's like thirty year olds don't improve. But um, yeah. now we get this Ben Simmons factor is like, and he'll play defense. So all team's best guy. Don't worry, Katie, I got him. No problem. Yeah. You and Kyrie want to shoot? I will create all the shots you want. Just yeah. get out and get on the floor. I'll give you whatever you want. It should be basketball harmony. We shall see. As every media member said in our private conversations in between the players, this is going to be such an exciting season. It's going to be spectacular either way. They're either going to be the best team in the NBA or somewhere in the top contention, or it's going to be disaster central. That's just what everybody's belief is. Um, I want to transition to some other teams, but before we do that, um, Coach Thorpe and had talked about this in our offline chat. And we often talk about NBA media, Henry and Ben Simmons. You know, we talked about his mental health and what he's been struggling with and the idea of feeling safe, right? That thing that Steph said about mm-hmm. Kevin Durant and how everything's so transactional. I know why, but it is still so amazing to me how you hear that hour and 15 minute podcast Ben has with his old teammate, JJ Reddick and Tommy Alter. 
the freedom and comfort and the way he's able to talk to JJ versus how he talks to any one of us if we're asking him questions. And that is clearly because he knows JJ is my brother and he's not going to sell me out. Like he's not going to misconstrue my words. I feel safe with him. You motherfuckers, absolutely not. <laughs> like, and you know, it, it, it again, to talk, goes to that manner of like how the environment is not one that's conducive for ultimate success and how that robs the fan because we as media, right? Like we want to give you these stories, but I can understand why players don't trust us, right? And because, I mean, not you and I specifically, but the larger us, right? And it's very difficult. Yeah, this is the thing. I, honestly, when I first started covering the NBA, it was so weird. It was like, you know, um, I was, it was a lot of Allen Iverson 76ers for me when I was mm -hmm. new to this. And, um, and you could kind of see, like, here's how Allen Iverson talks to us. And it's so nervous and kind of pointless, you know, mm -hmm. like sort of pro forma, just feels like a work thing. Um, and then he would finish that conversation. He'd walk over here and talk to anybody he knows well, and his whole body language would change mm -hmm. and he'd just be super relaxed and funny mm -hmm. and charming and delightful. And like, and, or, you know, mm -hmm. complaining about his injuries or whatever. Mm -hmm. He would just be like a real human being. And it was so clear to me. I'm like, that is the version of Alan Iverson that would be amazing in the media. Mm -hmm. Like, but we'd only get that like one day a year mm -hmm. or when he's in a one-on-one -on -one with some reporter he really knows or mm -hmm. indeed on JJ Reddick's podcast would work, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I think this like, and, and then I, I'll add, you know, you mentioned all the ESPN traffic data and which stories mm -hmm. work, whatever. Like, in fact, like the version where everyone just says what they're supposed to say, nobody reads it anyway. Like, mm -hmm. it's like they force, um, actually on that team, uh, Tony Kukoc was a returning player and they had a controversial offseason. And I remember this moment where like, I think that they thought they were out of earshot, but like, the head of PR and one of the assistant GMs of the 76 are standing there with Tony's in uniform, just near all the media. And they were just like, Tony, it is in your contract. You have, basically, you have to go talk to them. It's like, I mean, I, I'm glad that they make the players available to the media, but like right. the Tony Kukoc we get that day when he's like, okay, I have to go talk to them. Like, <laughs> like, you're not using those quotes in anything. Like right. you can put yeah. that video on YouTube and no one's going to click play. Like it just right. doesn't, it's the whole thing. just stupid, stupid, stupid. Mm -hmm. So, I don't think that the final form of sports media is JJ Redick either, though, because Correct. like they're in a brotherhood together where mm -hmm. they're not gonna Correct. like you know JJ called him out a little, a little, but not too like, much, and didn't press yeah. too deep, you know, yeah, yeah. It's not quite, uh, you know, we're in this moment right now where like you know, like Michael Jordan has final say over the Last Dance, and it's like, well, <laughs> we just missed a whole bunch of interesting stuff there, didn't we? You know, like <laughs> sure we don't did. really know what happened in basketball for the most important season of all time. Scott, right? Scotty like, Pippen will tell us though. <laughs> Scotty Pippen has some ideas, right? <laughs> exactly. So there's going to be, but, but we're going to need to have trust as part of it, right? And like, yes. Actually, I had a great um, this other. Uh, I wasn't exactly cheating on David Thorpe, but I was, you know, I'm friends <laughs> with other people who train NBA players too, and one of them was like. Like, you know, like they're just regular people like us. Like everyone's talking about like, oh crap. Like they, they changed the, the salad bar prices at Whole Foods. This is like mm -hmm. an actual active topic among NBA all-stars, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, you know, or, or how many minutes you have on your cell phone plan or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like they are in fact just like us. It's just that they don't be, they're not often in the environment to behave just like us, right? Yes, and correct. That's a little, it's a little fucked up. No, it, it, it certainly is. And speaking of uh, just like us, did you see? And NBA fans rejoice. NBA League Pass, far cheaper than it's been in the past. We're a hundred bucks. The that plan used to be hundred and sixty. I want to say it's and they claim yeah. higher quality. Yeah, that? That's, that's what they said. Higher. We, said. We, 
we shall see. But yeah. yeah. So those of you out there who want to buy League Pass this year, might be your time. 50%, actually 56% price cut. So shout out to the NBA for uh, giving us cheaper League Pass. <laughs> well, there's some whole new, there's like a new app and there's a yep, Microsoft everything. involved and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I guess they're trying to look. I guess it does help their TV negotiations if they have decent number of subscribers to their own i think so right yeah and we, we, we've said for years you're the league that's like the social media league and like advanced and whatever but your app is horrible and your your product deliver is also horrible fix that so right. someone was right. listening i guess at olympic tower <laughs> so this is a little version of a few years ago the um i think the blazers and the clippers have maybe both done a thing where they kept their digital broadcast rights mm. um didn't sell them to a partner the idea being that, like, if you can show a little graph with tons of uptick, you can just threat to cut out the mm. regional sports networks, and then you basically you get to go to your next negotiation and say, pay us triple. Um, I, like I don't that. know how that worked out. Um, I'm guessing badly. But um, <laughs> I think the league is sort of in that thing, right, where it's like, potentially in the future, they don't need ESPN or Amazon, right? They might not. They do. But, like, but they're going to act like they don't, right? Yeah. <laughs> They might not. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, you know, while we're here, you mentioned Amazon. Let's really quickly just talk about this. I sent you a text the other day saying, why hasn't Jeff Bezos bought a basketball team yet? Is he wait or a sports team? Is he waiting to just buy a whole league? Which, of course, he can buy because he's the richest human being in the history of the world. Yeah. Sure enough, guess whose name emerged as a potential buyer of the, of the Phoenix Suns? Now, I will say this. We know owners decide who should be based on what's in it for them. He's going to spend the money. We know that yeah. for sure. I mean, that he seems like a he might not be a bad dude to be an owner. I don't know. What do you think? There aren't that many people rich enough anymore, <laughs> well, right? right? To yeah. be like primary owners. So they, they got to shake all those trees, you know, those mm -hmm. five trees or whatever. That's <laughs> yeah, five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also if you're, you know, look, like um, if you're trying to get the best possible price out of you know, Bob Iger or whoever mm -hmm. it will eventually mm -hmm. be. Like, of course, you want the news to say that Jeff Bezos is bidding, yep. mm -hmm. right? Yeah, because now you're going to be like, oh, I, I don't, I don't want to lose to that guy. I got to, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would <laughs> be leaking that right and left if I were <laughs> <Robert> Sarver. <laughs> Henry, are you saying that that was potentially not true? It might have been leaked? <laughs> I don't honestly don't know, but like it, it, it would be leaked whether it were true or not, I guess. Correct. That's yes. My guess. It, it, yeah. it makes good business sense. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to some other teams. The Cleveland Cavaliers are an interesting squad. They had a fun offseason. Donovan Mitchell in tow. Everybody get excited. Cleveland last year, before Jared Allen went down, was the number one defense in adjusted defensive rating in the NBA. And they were firmly headed towards the NBA playoffs. Him going down just hurt them. They the play They got the play in, but didn't advance past that. You know, Colby Altman comes to the... Media day, he's like, look, man, we're still a young team. We got a long runway, a.k.a. I got pretty good job security here because we got some, so I'm feeling pretty happy about where we are. Got a chance to get Donovan, but look, he's only 24, 25. So we, who knows what these guys can look like in their prime. They're nowhere near their primes yet. Another signal to Dan Gilbert. More time, buddy. Just extend that, extend that deal to give me a long runway. But Jared Allen said something interesting. Um, he, all-star, um, their best defender, or maybe arguably. Every time I'm guarding Evan, Evan Mobley, he's scoring. It seems like he's scoring on me every time. His offensive game is improving from what it was last year. We're still a young team. We have potential. But there's so much to improve in our games. And I was like, oh, that to me says, NBA, watch out. This team, like, again, 
We said that about Oklahoma City years ago and Orlando Magic. If they're able to keep these group of guys together, you've got the makings of something that could be really good for several years. Of course, barring an injury and all that. But everybody's young and getting better. This is going to be a fun team this year. I saw a bunch of tweets from like fans of different teams that were like, oh, I was so heartbroken after last year. And then I watched like a few stupid media day quotes. And now I'm like 100% in again. You know, like it's like you can get yourself hypnotized, right? Mm-hmm. I did that with the Cavs. I was like, you know, like I was feeling like everyone felt like, oh, this will be interesting. Let's see. And then suddenly I just, you know, a couple of those quotes. And then I think Coach Bickerstaff had a little bit of talk about going to watch Evan work out in LA and he's shooting mm-hmm. threes way better. He shot like mm-hmm. 25% maybe last year, but now it's apparently going to be way more. And, and then everyone's using the word they're comparing him to Kevin Garnett, mm-hmm. which is a pretty, that guy won some games. Um, pretty good. And, you know, just, you know, if you focus on the Cavaliers for a bit, it's worth noting, like Darius Garland was the all-star that the captains fought over in last year's all-star game, right? Mm-hmm. He's Correct. a very high potential young player, right? And um, Donovan Mitchell needs no introduction. Mm-hmm. Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, like, was, I didn't think Jared Allen was the best player on the team in, in advanced stats. Estimated plus year, minus. Right? He was. Yep. And then they have Karis Levert and Kevin Love. And yep. Um, it, it just, this is a very interesting team. You know, Thorpe said before that he's a little worried about Isaac Okoro as that, yeah. like, you know, that starts three, yeah. forward. Mm-hmm. Um, they have ways to get better. I, anyway, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Evan Mobley fan, right? He yeah. would have been rookie of the year if the team sure. hadn't kind of had its little sure. stumble. But, um, and, and also last year, Henry, we know rookies historically, it's very difficult for them to have positive impact in estimated plus minus in their first year yeah. just because the game is too difficult. And Mobley was a positive EPM last year. Like, yeah. I mean, like that 2.4, 2.5, something like that, which is like 93rd percent. I mean, that's fucking incredible for a rookie. So this team is there. Like, if you're a Cavs fan, there's reason for optimism. Um, you know, what's interesting, and Thorpe always mentions this. Well, each team plays an even schedule, right? So there's 82 games. Everyone can't win 55 games, right? So it, someone's going, where are the wins coming from, right? The East this year, I mean, the other day, I, I just went to the top of my head. I was like, I, I can already pull eight teams. And it's like, Jesus, like, I mean, yeah. that eight spot, like you, a team might win 49 games and not get in. Cause it's just like, you know, we're, this, we're too good. Everybody's really, really good. And, you know, it, it's going to be tough. But if you're Cleveland, be excited. A lot of good things to look for there. When so many good young players, you know, not very many players get to the level of Mobley was at last year. But mm-hmm. it, when it does happen, most commonly, the next thing is, oh, they just couldn't put the pieces around him. Right. And the next thing, you know, he's finding another team to go mm-hmm. try to win somewhere. Right. It's like, this is the opposite of that. Like, yep. Evan Mobley is a legit win now star. And they get all the pieces around them, right? And mm-hmm. doesn't mean it'll work, but it's going to be fun to watch. They have real chance for acceleration, right? Like they could be the best team in the East this year. They could, yes. I don't think they will be, but they could be. And they have something on their side that you always mention is important for the grind that is the NBA season. Ain't old dudes. They're young. Yeah, They're, they're old dudes come off the bench. Everyone yeah. who starts is under 26. Like, that's that's really good. That's very important for the long ride of the NBA season. Um, so yeah, everyone get excited about what's happening there. You know, I, I watched the Denver Nuggets <laughs> a little bit, and they had Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray together on the on the dais, and Jokic looked like he'd rather be anywhere else. <laughs> it was like this is just what, what are we doing here? You know, he just finished EuroBasket not too long ago, so he's already he's like well, guys, I don't know. Like, the most interesting thing to me that Jokic was talking about was he's not a fan of the new take foul rules. 
this is stupid. He said, how, how are they going to know? What, you, you don't, that's a strategy. Like, what do you, so he's not pleased about that. And he lit up when they talked about his teammates and members of the organization, uh, Nick Kosmeyer, who's uh, their PR guy coming out to Serbia to give him his MVP award, his second. We talked about it before, functioning organizations, the connective tissue. I mean, Nicola says they got to see my horses, my family. We got hang out. And then you think you throw away. Well, who cares about? No, he cares. Like they got, they took time out of their their their, their lives. Serbia ain't a three hour flight. Like you know, to go spend time with me and where that matters, right? Like, and again, that's a team that's got some connective tissue. And you know, if Michael Porter Jr. will get to him in a minute, and Murray are healthy with the two time MVP, Thorpe's called the best player in the world. This is a team that they're gonna they're gonna win some games. What did we learn about Jamal Murray yesterday? Anything? Jamal Murray is not a hundred percent cleared yet because for, for him, what he's saying is, I'll play five on five, but then I'm sore a little bit after, right? So it's and they're gonna be cautious. So I think in the beginning part of the season, he's not gonna play any back to backs, and and this is good as we get into the Michael Porter Jr. situation. We gotta get these guys thinking about what's right for them health wise to maintain going forward, so we do what's best. Um, and follow science. And I'm going to give you right now, because it's a perfect segue, the, the Michael Porter Jr. quote. I would prefer to play 82. I don't think taking the careful route with players is the way to go, but you definitely want to be smart. The, that time comes from the recovery you do off the court. I don't think skipping games is the way to save your body. You got to respect the game. You should play when you can play and help your team win as many games as possible. And so it's that athlete jock mentality that you have to fight versus, no, but this is what science and data actually says for us. Like, Michael, I understand you want to play 82, but if we do that, you're probably not going to make it to April. If you pay, play 55, you will, and you're going to be in a much better position to help us when it matters the most, which is the playoffs. And how are you able to convince them to do that? We know historically, with especially the best players, it's damn near impossible to get them to sit down. Like, you just, it's really, really difficult. Yeah, it's we're so clueless, right? Like, I mean... This is this, the reason I haven't been on beginning very much because I'm working on this book. And, you know, the, a, a lot of what the book is about is like, where does the good information come from about our health? And I've, you know, I've been spending all this time with these sports scientists and this, I'm like, if you guys heard like crazy theories about why people get hurt, right? Like, and they're like, oh, it's every day, right? So every time someone gets hurt, it's like, oh, it's because he was wearing these shoes or, oh, it's because <laughs> he didn't take the staff or, oh, like, but they're like, but. Everything that we're used to saying on this front is just no evidence behind it whatsoever, right? We're used to just being alchemists and how we talk about this. And we don't have to be anymore. Like there's the, the good data set is really about movement. Like mm -hmm. they can look at Michael Porter Jr. and see how he moves in a very rigorous way mm -hmm. and tell you if he's good to go today or not, right? It mm -hmm. shouldn't be soldier mentality. It also mm -hmm. shouldn't be like just sit because – we don't even know what's going on, but sitting, right. you know, it should be like, let's understand a little better how you move. Mm -hmm. And like, we didn't have the tools for this 20 years ago and we do now. And, mm -hmm. you know, it'll take another 10, 15 years to become like well understood and popular, but like, but it's definitely coming for all of us. Right. It's just this, you know, like today, MPJ, your back looks like crap, right? This mm -hmm. is not how you are supposed to move. Mm -hmm. So this would not be a good time for you to step out there. Right. And yep. if we just had this little bit of knowledge, then how many Derek roses never would have had their like catastrophic injuries. Right. Like, let's just, be a little smarter. I, you know, and I don't mind to me to be a soldier, Michael, Porter, I don't care. Like, you know, right. 
if you just want to be go, 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 fine. But that means someone else is going to be in charge of when you play, right? Like well, it's probably not going to be you. Funny, funny you say that. Enter Calvin Booth, <laughs> yeah, Nuggets GM. In Michael's case, if he is healthy, is he running the way he should run? Question mark. Is he rebounding the way he should rebound? Is he giving effort on defense? So those to me tell me are some signs that Booth and the training staff are looking at. Are you running the right way? Like now, but is he mean running the right way? Like, are you running hard? Or when we look at the, the movement patterns, you're not, your knees are landing inward. You're not, that's not how you're supposed to, when you're healthy, this is how you run. This is how you're running right now. You're not playing yeah. tonight. I couldn't tell. He went straight into like, just like what the coaches want to emphasize. Yes. <laughs> are you playing defense? It's like, totally. oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah, come on. You, had, you were so good at the start. Like, oh, here we go. Fucking it's like, defense. oh, you want to play MPJ? Go stick somebody. <laughs> And the thing is, uh, uh, fans may not know this. I mean, you know this, Henry. There are a zillion cameras all over NBA arenas. Yeah. They have, the practice facilities are swagged out. Like, they can grab. It's not going to take long for them to get the movements they need. And they get the right people. They get in the little booth. They see the computer. Nope. And you, you, have, you have a model, right? It looks like, and I'm sure they, get, they do a side-by-side, and it's like, oh, my God, he's 20% lean. Oh, no, not yeah, tonight. All this stuff is coming. Yeah. It's just easy. You, we can do it. There was a weird, I went to the draft combine and um, I mean, there's, you've seen it on TV, I guess, where there's like, mm-hmm. you know, there's people shooting at different rounds, like, mm-hmm. but I was a little bit surprised. Nobody was keeping track of misses and makes like, and I was like, well, this is weird. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, there's a little Microsoft surface kind of thing <laughs> mounted on a tripod. And so, you know, there'd be a, mo- there was a moment where uh, I forget who it was somebody like, um, you know, skedaddled off to the next station and then the the people in the little Microsoft blue shirts who hadn't said anything were standing behind this little device were just like, hey, you got one more shot, one more shot. And like, <laughs> you know, there's five coaches rebounding. They have no right. idea Nick, who's Nick, done or whatever. But, like, but it's the little Microsoft Surface thing is tracking like, you know. And, and I was sitting there um, with Marcus Ali to P3. And I'm like, wait, is that thing like, like how much is that capturing? Like, is it capturing like all of how they move? And he was like, ah, like not that much now. But in a few years, yeah. Like in a few years, that thing will know a lot about how they're moving. That will be the team that embraces that, builds that into their culture. That's going to be the team that has the next level of competitive advantage, right? Where they're able to, oh, we know. We're not, we're not, we're not guesstimating. We're not doing, all right, no, no, we actually know. <laughs> so here's the thing that's happening, though. There's like a, a five-front battle going on over this. So like, I think there are plenty of teams that intend to embrace this and be leaders in this problem is you don't have a good database so mm-hmm. if you see someone moving a, like this much out of normal mm-hmm. is that too far out of normal to play mm-hmm. and you only know that when you have a big database mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so they have data on their like nine guys right. you know or whatever they have right um not that isn't yeah. really usable data set. yeah you need so, yeah yeah, and you need not just a big data set. You need a big data set of NBA players. Correct. And even mm-hmm. like at that position, right? So mm-hmm. they this is this is P three. Like this hasn't been like their business strategy, but nevertheless, this is where they are. They have a thousand NBA players or close mm-hmm. in the database. So now it's like, well, when you know, like let's say the Cavs are trying to assess Isaac Okoro as a def- elite defender. It's like some people out there could tell you how fast he explodes to his left compared to how fast offensive wing players explode to their right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know that unless you have all yeah. of those players Correct. in the database, right? And this is Correct. like, um, this applies to injury prevention and 
skills. But like this is where it's a little bit of, you know, there's there's been a lot of teams that are like, we're going to install our own force plates, our own cameras. Um, Every time Elite has all that stuff installed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But so you assess your six guys and now you have the six sets of measurements right. and you can compare it to like, there there are data sets that are like everyone who's ever torn their ACL. But that's mm -hmm. mostly college soccer players. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, does that matter at all? A little? Like, nobody players. knows. Right. You know, like, mm -hmm. like <laughs> nobody knows. But uh, they're, you know, they literally tend to be, I think, 16, 17 year old girls who try their ACL. So it's like, yeah. is this data that matters at all? Maybe. Right. Maybe not. We don't, yeah. We don't know enough. Yeah. And so, and then the other thing is, right, if you only have your guys to go off of and a guy is moving 20, but you know, so what is that? Is that just general fatigue of like, well, yeah, of course I'm moving 20% out of whack because I just played four games in seven nights. Like, you know what I mean? Versus like, is that a sign of I need rest? Like, right. You don't know because you need, we need data. Yeah. And you need tons. Like it's, I actually, I interviewed one guy who's basically like, you know, the whole data set needs to just like grow and flex and change. And like the end of the conclusions that you have a year or two in, you will later just laugh at, right? Because like. You just need to, this is science. You yeah. really need to like, you know, what your question is, you need to see if you can answer that exact question. And when the data sets, even as small as P3s, they aren't really there with hard conclusions yet on anything, but they're getting close, right? Whereas your team data set sucks. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that, that you say that about science and it's, you know, this is part of the problem, Henry, that as a society, we, not you and I, but the general public has when information comes out. Science is not, you have a hypothesis and you run tests to figure out, okay, is my, well, you have to keep running tests, right? It's like, oh, well, maybe this is in it. Just get a little closer, a little closer. Right. Little closer. And, but like, I think yeah. people want like, no definitive yes or no. And it's like, that's not how it works. Like we, we gotta, we need to see, keep saying, that's what we're seeing with COVID, right? No shit. It keeps changing because we didn't know what it was three years ago. <laughs> like, so yeah. our thought process then is much different than it is today. And it will yeah. be different five years from now. Like, yeah, I think there will have been a statement that somebody made, you know, six months into COVID that would look mm -hmm. stupid now. Yes. Like, that's just how it goes when you're yes. getting closer and closer to the right answer, right? Mm -hmm. We're just mm -hmm. refining. Yeah, and I think that, that that refining part is what people are like. <laughs> yeah, a team that uh, Coach Thorpe is very high on the Los Angeles Clippers. Mm -hmm. So here's the first thing I noticed. Kawhi looks huge. <laughs> like, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> there was this picture of his style on the internet and I was like, oh dear God. Like, he just looked like a massive human being. So he said, I feel stronger for sure. It's been what, 14, 15 months of no basketball? Well, playing in the NBA season for me, no basketball. That whole 13, 14 month process is just lifting weights and getting stronger. I definitely got a lot stronger. I mean, he looks a lot stronger. <laughs> I mean, just by, I'm like, oh my God, you... You put on some weight, my guy, <laughs> um, and muscle weight, not bad weight. Um, I he's wonder, still going to move. Like, is he still going to be mobile? Well, like, I, that, that's the question. Are you going to be mobile? Um, are you, you know, are you going to be able to be healthy all season? But if he is with Paul George, I mean, this Clippers team, they're going to be a real problem for for people to deal with. What do you, what are you thinking about Kawhi's comments and the Clippers? All oh, he also said something funny. He was like, backstage, let's get this media day over with. Away, <laughs> classic Kawhi. <laughs> yeah, not his day. <laughs> no, um, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I I mean it seems like he's like like uh Michael Jordan with the Wizards version, right? Mm. Where it's like, you know, um I don't I mean I don't know what his body's like. Maybe he's about to be MVP, but um just heavier seems like the opposite direction of the way the league is moving, right? Mm -hmm. Like he was the guy who like anywhere the ball went on that side of the court, he could mm -hmm. be there, right? Mm -hmm. If you are heavier, you just you're no longer that guy, right? Now you're the guy who's like, I'm gonna put my shoulder into you and move you out of the way, kind of mm -hmm. thing. Like, 
Um, we'll see. I, far be it from me to question him, but heavier seems weird to me. It, it seems to me like mostly the league is about moving away from that. Scramble out to three point line and then get back at the rim and. Uh, yeah, I I wonder if they he went that route because it's like I just got to get stronger. That's the right. It's like the sort of like the caveman. Oh, he's mentality. just trying to protect that knee for sure. Yeah, right. I just like, got to get yeah. super strong. <laughs> it's yeah, like I get okay. that. <laughs> I get that. But that's just not. That's how, you know, that's the thing about his body. But uh, the game is arguing otherwise, right? Yeah, <laughs> the game going completely the other direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I also thought Paul George has some interesting comments, again, going back to organizations. And I think Clipper-wise, like this is a team that seems to have some things going in the right direction. I thought it was very important to keep guys connected this summer, stay together, get workouts together. It was more off-the-court stuff. I didn't care about on-the-court stuff. We'll get to that in training camp. Guys, getting guys together, being able to laugh. I wanted the new guys to get up to speed. Again, there is I that. didn't put that in the document. Mr. Lovey Dovey did I over there. I did. I did. Gerard, why would you care about the Clippers laughing together? What the hell? Like, I don't know. I think you it big matters. softy. What's happening? <laughs> You're ruining everything. <laughs> Wait till David hears about this. I know he's gonna be like, he's gonna be like, I knew it all along. No, but this is right. This is that extra that piece we talk about, right? Like when a storm storm's coming. So when the storm comes. Can the Clippers? Stay, I'll tell you what. Comments like that makes me feel str- better about the Clippers staying together in a storm than the Brooklyn Nets staying together during a storm, right? Yeah. It's just that, and these are the things that matter, right? When we're talking about NBA basketball and like the grind of the season, and then the play. I mean, it's just it's a lot. It's a lot. They do have. I mean, they're they've been like they've been through their through the ringer, right? But they do have everyone's favorite owner in basketball, maybe because he's just super rich and enthusiastic. But you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they have a real coach, right? Like they have a very stable, mm-hmm. like it does feel stable at the top there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue that possibly that's encouraging this kind of thinking, right? Where yeah. Paul George doesn't feel like he has to defend his job and come and say what a badass he is. Instead, he's like, mm-hmm. the basketball figured itself out and we're going to laugh together. Like, sounds good. That 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 sounds like a that sounds like a recipe for success if we're if we're keeping score. When do they get um, their new stadium? Do we know? That? It's not soon. Wild, right? I mean, not soon in relative terms. Um, twenty twenty six was that what I okay. that what I saw? Something like that. And that's gonna be in uh, Irvine. I forgot. I can, I can look it up. But it's not gonna be in like you know L A L A. But like you know, sub in Southern California. Isn't it where the forum was? Is it? Are they? Are they? Oh, did they take over the form? I thought that was he was or fighting with James Dolan over that, right? Wasn't yeah. he? This is a really well-informed part of the show. I know. Boo, yeah. boo on us. <laughs> no, 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 no quizzes, no quizzes. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll yeah. look it up and and, remind, and let you guys know next time. Yeah, or you can just tell us because everybody in the world knows except us. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, here's a great transition. Speaking of the old Lakers home. Yeah. <laughs> The Lakers are always an interesting bunch to, to, to talk about. I saw some funny stuff. Anthony Davis said he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. Instantly, all the memes on Twitter came out. Anthony Davis out four to six months with a chip on his shoulder. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. I, I see that. I, I see where people are going. I mean, you know, let's talk about this, Henry. This guy's got to hear. And look, I we know we talk about it all the time. Charles Barkley makes and Shaq make hilarious television. That is their job. That's why they've won 10 billion Emmys and counting. But I know those guys, and these guys being the current NBA players, feel some type of way when members of their brotherhood constantly call them out on TV. Anthony Davis, I call him street clothes because he's always in street. Like, it's like, dudes, like, I know he doesn't feel good about that. And he hears that shit. And so now he's got to deal with this again. Oh, you're going to get hurt tomorrow when you, you know, and I don't know if you saw this. He was playing NBA 2K recently. 
like, as himself. And he started the game and he got hurt. And like everyone was like, clowning him on Twitter. And it's just like, even the video games are clowning you, bro. Like, don't play public video games. <laughs> That's number one. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. stood out to you from, from Lakers uh, media day? Uh, Russell Westbrook. Um, (laughs) Whether they want me here or not doesn't really matter. We all have jobs that sometimes at our jobs, people don't like us. As a working man, I have to do my job to support my family, and that's what I'm going to do. Like, that sounds like an awful situation. I don't want to go to work there if I'm Russell Westbrook. No thanks. (laughs) There was a, you know, in fairness, there was a lot of talk about how, you know, he has talked to Darvin Ham a lot, and Darvin Ham said he's been amazing. but you know, I they asked who was going to be starting, and Darvin Ham said we're a ways away. We've got several options, and they talked about Dennis Schroeder, Pat Bev, Kendrick Nunn, Austin Reeves. Um, there was a quickly we're into a defensive mindset. Those are the guys that are going to get minutes. That's not talking about Russ. Um, and then he said that Russ says he'll do that, but quote that's what camp is for. We'll see. And it just struck me like. You know, this is the day that you pretend everyone's hunky dory, right? Yes. This yeah. is the, it's a test. First day of school, <laughs> and like they got an F on that. Like I, <laughs> I feel like it's like wow. Of all of the different little dramas around the NBA, like most of them, they poured cold water on the drama yesterday, mm-hmm. right? Even the Nets, I felt kind of mm-hmm. helped us yeah. move on a little bit, right? But this one, I was like, oh wow, they are. There's trouble. There's trouble. <laughs> and yeah, Russell Westbrook was, you know as vague as people can be. It was almost like Rashid Wallace saying both teams played hard, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. in every question, it was like, oh, did you have meaningful conversations with LeBron? Like, what were those conversations like? And he was like, you know, I'm just excited to get out there and show what I can do, you know, this kind of stuff. I'm like, it's, I don't know what happened uh, behind the scenes, but it wasn't good. It I wasn't mean, so good. the worst kept secret is Russell Westbrook is not long for this team. <laughs> right? That's, yeah. that's basically what they're saying is that he will not be here come the end of the season. And yeah, wow, that is it's broken. Man. Something's broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and this is a guy who was a league MVP, right? I mean, what in twenty sixteen, whatever that season was, that first year without Durant. Like that's you know not it wasn't ten years ago, right? I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. My how the mighty have fallen. Um, and then uh, Rob Polinka basically uh, talked a little about the stepping in role. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it, this is the rule where you can't trade uh, your picks in consecutive years. And mm-hmm. they actually, I think their 2025 pick, they theoretically could be keeping depending on okay. where it lands. Um, mm-hmm. so they really only have the 27, 29 picks to trade. Um, and then he kind of went on this thing where he's like, uh, LeBron's like one of the great players that ever played the game. And basically he committed to us. And so we're committed to him. Basically like we're going to do everything we can do to make deals to help LeBron during his time here. Basically saying that we will we we're open to trading those picks, but we only get to do it once. So they want like the right deal, which was like, I mean, and he kind of paid lip service to the fact that he wasn't talking about any player on the roster who might be included in that kind of a deal. But it's like, <laughs> it just kind of seemed like, you know, we know, we know you're talking about. <laughs> you know, on one hand, he's just like, don't worry, like everyone who thinks that I think this is a good roster, like I can do better. Right, is yeah, yeah. kind of what I heard him saying. Like yeah, yeah. there was, which was utterly undermined the notion that they were like really fired up about what Darvin Ham could get out of Russell Westbrook, right? And yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and there was a, and there was also this kind of crazy moment 
where they're basically like, Russ, like, are, you know, do you expect to start? Are you going to start? And he just cracked up in a maniacal way. Now, it turns out, like, a friend walked into the room and he saw her and was ostensibly laughing at her or something. Mm. Something to do. But it was like timing. But it just timing. came out real kooky. Mm-hmm. Like, it just mm-hmm. came out like, this is not a guy. And then his answer was really just like, you know, looking forward to getting out there and showing what I can do kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, we thought Carmelo was difficult to bring off the bench. You know, like, mm-hmm. I think this guy's going to be way harder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it. they certainly didn't do any favors to tamp it down. As you said, in Brooklyn, they put it out on the table, right? Yep, KD did that. He requested, it was all. It's all out in the open. So in many ways, yeah. it kind of was like kind of banal, right? Like, but this... Y'all did nothing to make it seem like this is a hunky-dory situation. Now, for those of you just to get inside the minutia a bit, Westbrook is on the last year of his deal, um, player option he opted in. So his contract is expiring, right? And so teams like, I don't know, Utah, who are looking to clear even more cap space, um, you know, and teams who will find themselves come January because of players got hurt or whatever and the season didn't go the way they thought, are going to be like, you know what? I'll take Westbrook for, for the next two months. I don't care because once that comes off my books, we got whatever the money amount of money is, 40 whatever million dollars um, in clean cap space. So, And luxury I mean, tax is going to be a bigger factor in the years to come than it has been in the past. Yes. Like, so there will be, right now, there, as we've discussed on this show many times, there are 150 contending teams, but there won't be a midseason, right? Yes, and so correct. Those teams that have suffered a big injury, and they, they mm-hmm. might save, and, you know, I, we did some back of the envelope calculations a while ago, and I forget the numbers. But basically, like, there are teams that could save hundred million dollars by getting one sports book for half a season, right? Like so, mm-hmm. and you and you know what billionaires like to do? Save hundreds of millions of dollars. They do. They do like that. Yeah, <laughs> I like that too. I mean, you know? <laughs> I might like to have hundreds of millions. Let's just start there. Just, that might so be seldom good. comes up. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I never have. That, I never have that to worry about. <laughs> Um, I want to talk about these two teams together because I thought it was interesting. The Memphis Grizzlies and New Orleans Pelicans. Um, everyone knows, president of the J- uh, Triple J fan club here. Love the Memphis Grizzlies. All that jazz. So in his, um, and Triple J, by the way, as everybody knows, um, he suffered a fracture in his foot uh, and had surgery in July. The team gave a four to six month window to when he'll be back, which is somewhere time between November and January. Although he did tweet out the other day or put on Instagram, I'll be back soon. So. He's going to be pushing me back sooner. Chris is going to fight him and try to hold him back as long as possible because he's integral to their their whole uh, future and what they want to do. Anyway, this is Jaron Jackson Jr. Zion is back. I know, I know Zion, and I think he can elevate over – and he thinks he can elevate over anybody. I want to see that. I want to try and see if that's true. Uh, and that's because they were asking him, like, who do you want to block in the NBA? Because, you know, Jaron led the league in blocks. He's like, Zion thinks he can jump over anybody. Maybe he can. I want to see if I can block him, right? And that gives me a whole thing about, you know, Pelicans, Grizzlies rivalry would be very good for this NBA and moving forward. And, you know, that then pushes me to, and John Morant said, get ready for opening day. You'll see, like, I think the Grizzlies are going to be very good again this year. So we don't need to talk about them. I, I saw, Although they, they're trash, the, uh, injured guy trash talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, the next level, man. That is, that is. The, well, and, and he did say, they're like, you guys, well, this is what we do. We talk trash. Like, it's fine. Like, it's just who we are as a team. And it's like, all right. They're that's, good that, at it. Yeah. They, they are very good at it. So that's yeah. their whole MO. Good for them. I saw pictures of Zion. Oh, Henry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's always looked like a Marvel superhero, but I'm like, no, no. He looks like Thanos. Like, I'm cut. Like, and I was like, oh, God. 
Like, he looks like he's going to be a real problem for everybody. Jaron, you may want to take that back because, I mean, you might you might get put through the basket when, when he goes up there. Well, the um, chances of both of them being healthy at the same time. <laughs> they, are, they are both tend to be injury prone. That is true. So that, so, that, that. Did you see the CJ McCollum thing he did when they were switching press conference? You know, no, no, what about? are you doing? Okay, so um, – so CJ had been on the dais and was like walking down and uh, and it's signs next. And they're both in their uniforms, right? And I think I understand they've been working out together. And so it's not by any stretch of the imagination the first time CJ is seeing Zion. But he pretends it is. It's a little bit on camera, right? It's not exactly. But yeah. and he's like, and he makes a little like squeaky noise. Like he's like, oh, look at him. Like, <laughs> he, starts, he pats him like literally from like his shoulders down to his ankles. He's like, oh. <laughs> and, you, and Zion just gets this big kind of slow smile on his face, like you dumb shit. Like, what are you doing to me, right? And then, and then eventually, and it goes on for so long that eventually Zion's got to be like sort of reciprocate. So he kind of like taps CJ in the shoulders, like, "Oh, look, your shoulders are all buff." And, and CJ just kind of like he's like, "I gotta get my step back." Like, but um, and then actually, and then some genius, if you on social media while this is happening. There's like David Griffin's in the hallway watching yeah, the whole thing with that like that. little eye and someone just <laughs> yeah. seem like mm, look at my players, you know, in kind of a weird way. But um but yeah, that was uh that's obviously the only news that matters. It's the only thing that matters in the whole goddamn NBA, right? It's, it's like Zion Williamson is healthy, great, amazing. Like what are those pictures from the pool, by the way? Is he really dribbling a basketball inside the pool or is that Photoshop? What's going on? Uh, I mean, it, it's it, happening. It, look, technology's advanced <laughs> yeah. immensely, so that could one thousand percent be Photoshop. I don't care. It I'm looks just incredible. Confused I was about like, like the physics of it. I'm like, and what's in the ball? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Is it a medicine ball? Like, with, with, <laughs> what's like, happening? What, like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> it, I mean, look, he looks to be in extraordinary physical shape. Uh, there's something he mentioned that we talked about before as a part of a problem for him, which was. And David mentioned it. As you get old, as you, when you're young, you just eat whatever and you don't think about. He's already talking about, I don't know, I was with a nutritionist and a dietitian, doubt or chef in Fort Lauderdale. He's slimmed down. It's muscle now. I mean, look, he was already an all NBA player as a rookie, right? And like, and if he's that and healthy with the rest of that squad, how, how is this not a top four team in the Western Conference? I mean, yeah, like, I, I, I'm, I, I just was sort of blown away by, oh my God, a really great one was, um, they're like, you know, Coach Willie Green, you um last year at this time you said that like based on like who's showing up in the gym and who has the best work ethic, like you know, one player really stood out, and that was Herb Jones. Herb Jones. Like, who was it this year? And he just goes, Herb Jones. Herb Jones. <laughs> Freaking love that guy. And Brandon Ingram had the most amazing things to say about like just, you know, when I get here in the morning, Herb Jones is working with our shooting coach. And then when I leave at night, he's in the ice bath. Like, and just like it's like the, it's just like blows your mind. You don't think he's a second year player. You know, okay, let's just recap. They have CJ McCollum. Brandon Ingram is mm -hmm. unbelievable, right? Is mm -hmm. all-star Herb mm -hmm. Jones, Zion Williamson, Jonas Valanciunas, Jose Alvarado, Devontae Graham, Trey Murphy, Larry Nance, Jackson Hayes, Kyra Lewis is back. Mm -hmm. Oh, lottery pick Dyson Daniels. Mm -hmm. um, Willie Hernan Gomez is one of the best yes. players. In you, Eurobasket. You're about, probably and Coach Thorson, he's not even going to play for this team. That's how good they are. He's not going to get that much playing time. <laughs> Najee Marshall, um, Garrett Temple somehow is still on this team. Um I mean, there are just so many players. I, I, yeah, there's no way they're going to keep all these players, right? So mm -hmm. I don't, I, I'm feeling, uh, actually, this is a report from Coach Thorpe driving to Miami, but he's mm -hmm. pretty sure that, like, if Kyra Lewis can show that he can play at all, that, like, that's the, you know, since they have Jose Alvarado and love him so much, mm -hmm. whose cute little child was on his lap, like, but um, that Kyra Lewis becomes available, right? Like, so he's a lottery pick. 
He's back, it appears, um, fast as hell. Little, but um, mm-hmm. anyway, I don't know who the Raptors yeah. need a backup point guard. Oh, um, there we go. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, I this is the other team. This and the Cavs where I'm like totally convinced myself from like, well, we'll see if Zion can stay healthy to like, oh my God. Amazing. I'm going to win the NBA championship. <laughs> um, but what did you think of Zion's comments? He, it, This is the first time he, to me, seemed... Like some things happen in the in the last eighteen months, uh, whether it be you know we talked about him rehabbing away from the team, family stuff, not totally being in sync with the with the Pelicans organization. I don't know. It seemed like he's cut some things out of his life that may have been bad or negative influences, and he is again. This is the the, the decoding. He was putting on the appearance, and I I took it as that. I didn't see it as false. No, I'm I'm le- I'm legit and ready to be here with the Pelicans. Did you read it the same way? I took it as um, a lot has improved for him, but mostly I was a little blown away with how bad things got. Yes, like you know we talk about you know these humans as how much they can contribute to the sport that we love, mm-hmm. but in terms of just like how Zion doing as a guy, like. Mm-hmm. Um, he, well, here's one little quote, uh, for me, the notorious B.I.G. album, ready to die, that album lyrically, how he talked about stress, what he was dealing with, just feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders. You feel like you're standing alone. That album helped really shift my mindset and just find a true resolve in the game. I'm 22. I've been through a lot in the past years, some change, some things you wish didn't happen, but from that album, you just learn and that's life. Things are going to happen. You just got to roll with them. Like, I mean. He's this is a person reporting to us that mm-hmm. things have not been good, right? Yep. Um, the weight of the world on your shoulders, you feel like you're standing alone, is like something pretty telling. That's a little bit of a red light flashing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, oh, a big red light flashing. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that he's talking about it publicly now, I think, mm-hmm. is probably I'm not being a doctor, but like it seems like that's probably a good sign. It was mm-hmm. when it was worse, he didn't talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but just for fun, I did look up the lyrics on the album. <laughs> like, there are some, first of all, it's, I mean, Notorious B.I.G.'s first album, it's the one that launched him on the scene. I mean, it's, you know, big, big, big went through it. As everybody knows, who's a hip hop fan and aficionado. This was, this was a period in his life where, woo. Well, and it's like, you know, earlier we talked about trust and mistrust. And like mm. the lyrics of this album are, could not be more self-reliant. They could not be more like trust goddamn nobody. Nope. Nobody's on my side. There's even this line. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's actually I, I love like when you're bad gonna, for you're me read to read. It. No, no, it's, no, it's actually it's actually perfect. I want you to read it because it's going to be perfect. <laughs> I'm from England. Um, I, <laughs> so good. But just so this good. is a representative couple of lines, Gerard. Yes. I want it all from the Rolexes to the Lexus. Getting paid is all I expected. My mother didn't give me what I want. What the fuck? Now I've got a Glock making motherfuckers duck. Like, mm-hmm. this is not someone who's found love in his heart. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. This isn't like now I feel part of a team. This <laughs> is like everything went wrong and I'm going to try to make something good out of that. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I listen. That is, we talked about at the beginning. When NBA players feel that every interaction they have is not genuine, right? I can't go to dinner with yeah. someone and just laugh because somebody wants something from me. Yeah. I'm not speculating as to who this could be he's talking about, but, you know, put some things together and think about what he could possibly be referring to. 
they're actually amazing. Like if you read the whole thing, and some of it's just like mind-blowingly, like terribly mm-hmm. violent, but um, but very amazingly put together, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, but as self-help, which is how it has been presented to us as yeah. self-help, it's yeah. the it's... worst goddamn self-help you could ever imagine. Like, uh, Christopher Wallace, the late Christopher Wallace, a master of so many poetic forms, iambic pentameter, didactic hexameter. I mean, like. It, Rhyme scheme. I mean, these dudes are brilliant poets. Like when you think, again, if they thought about things differently and they like were like in a poetry major in college, they'd they'd run circles around people because they have this oh, innate understanding of like word phrasing and like oh this works here and this is this and you know. But as you said, as self as self help, maybe we can find something a little better than that. But well, I understand. This amazing story, Zion. Like ha- Zion was very close with his poetry teacher in high school. I forget his name, but there's like a guy, and Zion like really took to writing poems, and and they really bonded. And I feel like there's like some players when they talk, you get the feeling that they're players, and this they want to play. Um, Zion, I get the sense like there's a lot going on mm-hmm. in his head, and mm-hmm. a lot of it's hard to talk about. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't surprise me that like a poetry teacher five years ago or um, a poet now, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. would give Speak him, him like, mm-hmm. yeah, just like, I feel like, like I'm struggling to talk right now. Zion struggles to talk a little bit, right? Like, mm-hmm. like it is a little bit choppy how mm-hmm. he, he's got too much to say almost, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, um, and not the right form to say it. And correct. Um, I feel like this is like a little bit of like, yeah, it probably does make sense that he's just going to adopt this album, right? He mm-hmm. can't say nothing, but he can't, if he just, poured his heart out it would be more than we could handle yes correct more than maybe he could handle right now too yeah yeah Yeah, no it's this is you know this is the part about the nba that's fascinating and interesting yes of course the basketball we we love that but this in so many ways dictates and drives the basketball like those 94 feet by whatever that's their safe space right when when i'm in that's where whatever the it's either going to come out in a super positive way or whatever. That's when we're going to see it all in between those lines. And that's what makes professional sports so incredible is that these aren't, as you mentioned, it's not 2K. It's not video game players playing this. These are human beings with all the shit we just talked about now having to do this thing. And this is where their art, their pain, their whatever, it expresses itself, right? And it's, 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 fan, it's fantastic and tragic and wonder. It's all those things uh, in one. There's like the, you know, the cherry on top of the Sunday is the highlight reel dunk or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But like the bowl is safety, health, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. all this kind of like you, you know, you kind of build on top of it, right? But mm-hmm. without that bottom part, like it just, I mean, there's so many, I mean, this story comes up. I remember Eddie Griffin. Mm-hmm. Eddie Griffin was like one of the most talented players of all time. I mean, so like, talented. Just can get the, you know, just can mm-hmm. get the, can get the everyday together, mm-hmm. right? It happens mm-hmm. all the time. Right, it yeah. happens all the time in front of our eyes often, and this is yeah. a one more case, right? Of like, hopefully, we're rooting for Zion, right? Like, it's oh, good for the league. Of, it's good for everybody. Good for good him. For good for Pelicans yeah. fans. Good for everybody. You know, uh, as Thorpe says, right? Like, get off the mer- get off the roller coaster. Yeah. You're right. Find joy in the merry-go-round, right? Yeah. Like, because that's 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 the thing. That's life. It's this constant. And can you? But it's the safety, as you mentioned, right? The bottom, the secure. You need that, right? Because those roller coasters, like. You know, they may be fun and all and exciting in the highs, but those lows, not great. Not that part where you great. go, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that part, not great. Not ideal. 
By the way, I already I found our clip for uh, social media. It's gonna it's gonna be either that or you reciting notorious B I G. It's 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 perfect. This is this is so good. Oh, I should never have read this. <laughs> this is so good. That was just a straight tactical error. <laughs> Oh, wonderful. It's a, sometimes the best things happen. In, can I know. just, in the spirit of love, can I just complain about James Jones for a second before the end of the show? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, sure. I, you know, Baxter Holmes wrote the story that blew up Robert Sarver's uh, billionaire tour. Well, well, of the Robert NBA. Sarver blew up his own billionaire thing, but he yes, did. Baxter just put the light on it. Yeah, he did. Um, in that, James Jones, GM of the Suns, and, you know, everyone loves that guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, played with LeBron in Miami. Um he said, none of what's been said describes the Robert Sarver I know, respect, Dude. and like. It just doesn't. Get you know, off of that, that train, bro. I've, I've heard people kind of say they respect how he handled it. It was through lawyers. It was just that one simple thing. But at the same time, like, that's kind of implying that Baxter's full of it, right? Mm-hmm. Baxter's just sticking his neck out to mm-hmm. make this unpopular at the time claim, right? It happened mm-hmm. to be it got swept up in support. But at the time, it was like, you know, and, you know, Hannah Arendt, hero of mine, wrote that, like, mm-hmm. the enemy of truth is power, right? So this is what happens. To me, if you're just saying that whoever's in power is right, then your opinion doesn't matter at all. Correct. Right? Like, it's just like, we can, oh, you're, you're basically taking mm-hmm. this democracy and making mm-hmm. a dictatorship, right? Mm-hmm. And then yesterday, same James Jones. Not that much has changed except Robert Sarver's announced he's going to get rid of the team. And, uh, and now James Jones says... Those are behaviors that are unacceptable. We've got to hold ourselves to a higher standard. And it's just like, mm, I, I don't want to pick on James Jones. There's 95% of the NBA would handle it identically. Same way. But if you're going to have your opinions, your public opinions determined by your career, then mm-hmm. I officially just don't give a crap what you say. It just Correct. doesn't matter what you say. You're just parroting what you're supposed to say. And yeah. then, you know, I mean, it. Doesn't make James Jones a bad guy, but if he had had some integrity, it would have been great. You're, I mean, in those two statements, you heard someone who was like, I have to protect my job. There's someone who goes, well, he's not going to fire me now in the midst of what's going on. So I can be, and he didn't even really say anything, right? I mean, oh, it's like, okay, buddy. Like, that's anybody could say that after the fact. Like, we all know that. Like, you know, it's just, it's the reality of like, okay, job could have been in jeopardy if I said something then. Now, not so much. So I can say something. And we don't, you know, I would feel a little different if he made $35,000 a year and right. couldn't afford to lose mm-hmm. the job, right? Mm-hmm. But he has made many millions. And it's mm-hmm. like, if you can't speak freely at that point, like, what are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. are we doing? Oh, man. No, this is, uh, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what ends up happening, who ends up taking, gets to buy the Suns, um, you know, where, where that whole situation goes, how the Suns as a team handle because, I mean, we didn't even talk about this, and we maybe throw up an eyeball on Thursday or as the season goes on. They have a DeAndre Ayton situation still that they – and they kind of briefly – you know, the Sarver thing, it kind of – oh, no one's – let's forget about that. We got the Sarver thing to worry about. But DeAndre wasn't happy with them this year, and we know because they tried to trade him and all that. And, the Monty and thing. this Jay Crowder thing got a little weird. And the Jay Crowder thing got super weird, right? It's like, what's happening yeah. here? Um, so Phoenix, the team with the best record in the NBA the last two seasons, I'll, I'll be very curious to see where they – how they play this year. What's going to happen yeah. with them this season? Um, you know. It's a lot to overcome, I think. There's so much. Oh, it's back. We're back. Are you ready for this? Like, you ready for just all of this? We're going to have just busy, crazy stuff every day from now until a long time from now. Now until, <laughs> now, now, now until July, now, basically. Now until mid-July. August, even. Yeah. yeah, or August. It's um, Buckle up. As, as, I, as I joke when, when Kara asks, 
draw what are you doing tonight same thing i do every night mm-hmm. watch nba basketball right it's like this is this is where we're at now um but How it's romantic. fun yeah, i know <laughs> but like thorpe there are nights when i'm just like no i'm we're not watching basketball tonight we're going i, got, yeah. I just i can't like it's just i don't care what game it is we're not i'll watch it on league pass re- rewind tomorrow morning or whatever we gotta, we gotta not do this. Shit. No, the morning with the fast forward just saves so much time. Uh, yeah, it's you cut all the commercials. Just get yeah, to, yeah, 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 way better, <laughs> way better. <laughs> Especially when you like teams that play in like the mountain or west coast time zone, right? It's like, come on, Tell man. Like, it. yeah. Well, you know, Portland, right? They're like, nope, not watching that game. <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta really commit. You know, watch it live. <laughs> How you I'm feeling an old about man, Gerard? <laughs> yeah. How you feeling about your Blazers this year? Dame's back. I mean, yeah. It's a, <laughs> um, well, I, you know, uh, the blazer fan of me can get excited about the chatter about like the people saying Shaden Sharp's amazing behind the scenes. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Anthony Simons wants to be an all-star. Cool. Um, you know, I, at the core, like the Dame Anthony backcourt will be unable to defend anybody. Yes. Like Dame and CJ. Huh. Only maybe worse. <laughs> maybe um, worse. Yeah, maybe worse. So... <laughs> But I, you know, but I, the, the one thing that excites me is there are, you know, I'm always looking for the young, high potential players up and down the mm-hmm. roster, right? That's yep. good to see. And um, they do have, like, there's they like, do. you know, like, someone out of all of these Justice Winslow's and Josh Hart's is going to shine. Yes. And that's great. Um, that'll be great. Um, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, they're not going to contend with Dame as their star. And they have a very expensive roster. These things all go together. And they have incompatible stars. Mm-hmm. All of these things seem to be like something's going to change. Mm. It just doesn't seem, it does, it seems like 0% that this is kind of like Dame Anthony is the next four years. No, 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 no. Yep. Someone's getting moved. Yeah. 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 Something's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I think I agree with you there. Yeah. But folks, buckle up, man. As Henry said, NBA season's here. I think our first preseason game is Saturday or Sunday. Very soon. Very, very soon. The Warriors are in Tokyo doing some games. I think we're going to have a game um, in the United Arab Emirates. Read into that. Going to the UAE, yeah. Read read into that what you would like. Wink, wink. (laughs) Sure to just crap on that. You know, listen, re- read back to the True Hoop archives. You know what oh we think gosh. about all, all of that and what that means. Yeah, it's glo- growing the game globally. Sure it is. Sure it is. <laughs> yeah. In the world capital of money laundering. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing bad happening there. Also pretty um, popular with sex trafficking. Oh, yeah. yeah. Also, also true. Also, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. We got problems, folks. Anyway. Uh, Coach Thorpe and I will be back on Thursday, most likely, uh, assuming all is well in Florida. So uh, when you on the internet, send some well wishes to Coach Thorpe. Uh, yeah. He's in Miami and his family feeling safe. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be back and we'll talk about uh, the rest of the season. Until next time, everybody. Take care.